For this series, though, we're actually inviting you into something that goes beyond the postcard. We've launched this pilot program that if you want to be a part of this, you have to opt in. And it's a pilot program where we send to you on Mondays the scripture and just the scripture for what we're going to talk about that following Sunday. And the ask there is that you read that scripture a couple of times, read it prayerfully, read it slowly. And then on Wednesday, we send you some some paragraphs to help you understand what you are reading. And then on Friday, we send you some questions that we will then try to wrestle with here in our conversation together on a Sunday morning. We talked about this in detail last Sunday. And so going into this, I had no idea how many emails that I would get. And let's just say I've gotten a healthy response. It's blown me away. I'm stoked by that. So if you want to get in on this and you haven't yet, all you need to do is send me an email. My email address is on the screen. If this goes by too quickly and you miss it, my email address is also on the back of the bulletin. You don't have to even write me anything. Just simply put First John in that subject line and we will get you onto that distribution list. Because at the end of the day, something that we've been talking about a couple of times over these last couple of weeks, if you learn to follow Jesus by actually following Jesus, we are looking for ways to draw you into what we do here on a Sunday morning. To allow you to experience God's word for yourself, to allow you to equip you to meet God in his word. Last week, we started this brand new series on the book of 1 John. And the backstory here is simply this, right? The events in 1 John are happening about 30 years after the death and the burial and the victorious resurrection of Jesus. And enough time has gone by that there are people who are pushing a false version of Jesus, a knockoff version of Jesus, pushing a message about Jesus that is not true and people are starting to get confused. And so John is writing 1 John because he doesn't want these people to be confused. He doesn't want you to be confused about what it means to know and to follow the real Jesus. And that's really where we left things off last Sunday. I teased you with this question. How do I make sure that I know the real Jesus? How do I make sure that I am following the real Jesus? And my answer to that question was, come back next week, come back today, And so we're going to jump right into 1 John chapter 1, starting in verse 5. And John will begin to answer this question for us. But before we jump into our scripture, as we always do, let's pray for God's leading as we read. Won't you pray with me? Father, this morning we invite your spirit to be fierce among us. As we read this scripture... May you show us. May you show us what you would have us see from your word. And not just that we see, but that we surrender with our very lives all that we are. We pray all these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. All right. We're doing this on purpose. In first service, this tends to happen periodically. 
Not on purpose, but this is on purpose. So look around. What do you see? All right, beside the warm glow of cell phones, (laughs) you can't see much. Can we have the lights back up? All right, look around now. What can you see? Everything, right? Because that's what light does. Light reveals things. We're going to see that exactly from 1 John, starting in verse 5. Here's what John writes. This is the message we heard from Jesus, and now declare to you, God is light, and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. And so John, right off the bat, is telling us what God is like. That God is light. And John wants to drive this point because he says it a couple different ways. God is light and then he adds to that there is no darkness in him. And then he adds to that these words at all. And it's this point that God is light that really ties chapter 1 together in a couple of ways. Our first four verses that we see in chapter 1 have been focused on Jesus. We saw that last week. This one who existed from the beginning. This one who is the word of life, who is life itself, who has been revealed to us, who is eternal life, who was with the Father. So if if light reveals things, God has revealed himself to you and I through Jesus. You can check that out for yourself in the Gospel of John, chapter 1. That's where we see this verse coming out of John 1, 18. The unique one. Jesus, who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. And so that God is light ties back to the verse part of this chapter, but also that God is light drives us deeper into our chapter. A statement, God is light, a statement on on God's character. That God is absolutely holy. That God is absolutely pure. That God is absolutely sinless. That God is absolutely righteous. If, If light reveals things, then we most clearly see our sin when contrasted to God's holiness. And it's, it's sin and it's our response to sin that really is the emphasis of the rest of this chapter that pushes us into verse 6. And for the very first time, we're going to see that, that there's a pattern that we will see on repeat across the book of 1 John, and it's this. John is a huge fan of the word if. Kevin, can we have those verses back? I did this last week, going to try to do it again this week. 
So are you able to see all the instances of the word if in these verses? It's all over the place. Right, so verse six, right? So we are lying if. Verse seven, but if. Verse eight, if we claim. Verse nine, there it is again. Verse 10, there it is. And, and in, in verses seven and verses nine, we have not just if, but but if. So John is gonna contrast what he said in the prior verses. Because what John is giving us here is really three points. Three negative points and then two points that are positive. So first let's look at our negative points. So verse 6, right? So we are lying if we say that we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. The idea of living in spiritual darkness really is that I make sin my home. That I've gotten really comfortable with sin and and sin is the place that I'm living. Verse 8, if we claim we have no sin. And then we see it again, again, another negative example, a negative point that John is making in verse 10. If we claim we have not sinned. And the positive points that John gives us are in verses 7 and verses 9. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And in verse 9, But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. You see the pattern that John is showing to us, right? It's in verse seven. Again, John is going to say that living in the light means living in tight connection with each other, living in tight connection with God, right? That's baked into this verse. It's also back in verse three. Living in the light means that that the blood of Jesus makes us clean. And that's what enables us to live in relationship with God as it is the blood of Jesus that takes away our sin. So let's make sure that we see this in this verse. For those living in the light, there is still a struggle with ongoing sin in our lives. Take a time out for a second. Do you struggle with sin in your life? Let me see your hand. my, My hand's the first one up, right? And look around. Is there anybody whose hand is not up? All of us. If we are living in the light, what that means is we have been saved from the penalty of sin, but now we are called to fight against the power of sin in our lives. As a believer, that ongoing struggle with the power of sin does not change your standing as a dearly loved child of God. Your place in God's family is secure, yet that sin in your life as a believer, that sin does grieve God. And it's confession in the life of a believer that sets things right between you and your father. 
It's no different when things aren't right between me and my kids. I still love them like crazy. They are still part of my family. I'm not kicking them out of the family. My love for them is on overdrive. I want the very best for them. But when they disobey me, it hurts. It hurts me. And so confession for the believer is dealing with that hurt and putting things right. And so if you are a follower of Jesus, because you struggle with the power of sin every day, you and I need to make confession a daily part of who we are. And that gets us to verse 9. That living in the light means that we make confession a lifestyle. Because confession literally means this. I call a thing out for that which it actually is. I I call sin, sin. I recognize that sin is a toxic poison. And if we'll do that, if we will confess our sins, the promise is, of verse 9, is that God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. So we've got these points that John is making. We've got this pattern. John is giving us a choice. He's giving us two options, a negative option and a positive option. But what do these mean for us in our everyday lives? Well, I've got a chart that I think helps us here. Have you seen this chart before? I heard laughing, I heard yes, I heard no, so I have no idea. (laughs) This is a timeline. Coming from left to right, there's a point of conversion. Which means if you are a follower of Christ, you have put trust, put your trust in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Right, that's conversion. And as you walk in relationship with God, this chart shows two things happening. That top angled line reads, growing awareness of God's holiness. That as you get to know in relationship with God, as you get to know God more and more and more, as the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your life and is forming the image of Christ in you, as you spend time in God's word meeting with him, as you spend time in prayer listening to God, as you engage with people around you who are are pointing you to God, it's through those things that you understand more and more and more who God is, what God is like, what God wants and what God has done. As you walk out your relationship with God, you see God's holiness with an ever-increasing increasing clarity. And that holiness not only shows you what God is like, but it also shows you what you're like. It shows you and I our sinfulness. And that's the second thing that is happening in this chart. That that downward sloping line reads, growing awareness of my flesh and sinfulness. If God is light and light reveals things, as you walk in relationship with God more and more and more, you see who you truly are. You see the sins in your life, the things that you do that are wrong, those attitudes in your life that are sinful, those thoughts in your life that are sinful, your sin-stained heart, the sins that you fall into on a daily basis, the habitual sins that you have been entertaining on the side for, in some case, years. 
the sins that weren't an issue for you before, but suddenly you find yourself in that place. As you walk in relationship with God more and more, you even start to see sin that has has been in your life the entire time, but you just couldn't see it. Those are the sins that are like an iceberg. You may have been able to see the sin that was the tip of the iceberg, but then after time, you discover that the real issue there, that there is a sin underneath the sin that you can see. So as you walk in relationship with God, you have the opportunity to see both God's holiness with an ever-increasing clarity, and you've also got the opportunity to see your own sin with an ever-increasing clarity. And it's here that we have a choice, right? John is laying out one option for us in verses 6 and 8 and 10. Living in sin, claiming we have no sin, claiming we have not sinned. Again, if you are making sin your home address, you are super comfortable comfortable with your sin. That's what John means by living in spiritual darkness. If you are downplaying sin in your life, this is what what John means by claiming that you have no sin. And there are about a thousand different ways that you and I downplay the sin in our lives. And so I want to go after this one. So how do you, you just raised your hand a few moments ago, that you battle the power of sin in your life. So how do you downplay that sin in your life? Some of our go-to moves. Yeah, we justify it, right? We hide it, we ignore it, we rebrand it, we relabel it, we reclassify it. We pretend that we are not as sinful as we really are. Come on, this thing in my life, it's not really that bad. What's the big deal? Everybody else is doing it. Hey, okay, maybe that's wrong, but you should see the idiots at my job or at my school. Compared to them, I'm a saint. Not looking to God and his holiness, but looking to the people around us. We exaggerate our our own track record in an attempt to compensate for our sin. We get defensive in an attempt to justify our sin. We shift the blame of our sin onto others. And John is saying, okay, right, you can go there, but, and this is in verse 8, if that's your choice... You are only fooling yourself and you are living a lie. So how do you downplay the sin in your life? For me, if you talk to my family, they're going to tell you that I am really quick to justify about anything. I can give you about five reasons why that thing makes perfect sense. I can give you five reasons and explain that thing away. I get super defensive, but that's me. How about you? How, how do you downplay the sin in your life? Because when it comes to the sin in our lives, when it comes to making sin our home address, when it comes to downplaying the sin in our lives, John, in our verses, is begging us to not do that. John is actually giving us a better option. It's actually on our chart. As we have a growing awareness of God's holiness and a growing awareness of our own sin, 
Our better option in the face of the sin that we, that we struggle with in our lives is to take that sin to Jesus. That's what that cross represents. Notice how that cross gets bigger. As my understanding of who God is grows and my understanding of my own sin grows, I need a big Jesus. And thank God we have a big Jesus. Better option. John lays that out for us, verses 7 and 9. The blood of Jesus, his son, God's son, cleanses us from all sin. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful. He is just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. What that means is if you are here this morning and you have never placed your trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, you've never trusted in Jesus who died for you on the cross, defeated your sin, and rose victoriously from the grave. It is through confession, calling out the sin in your life, acknowledging the fact that you are a sinner and trusting in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. That is the key to forever freedom in your life. To live for Christ with Christ here and now and forever. This means if you are here this morning and you have placed your trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, you have been saved from the penalty of your sin, but now you are being called. This is what John is doing here. John is calling you to fight against the power of sin in your life. Someday when you leave this body, you will be freed from the very presence of sin. But until that day, John is calling you to fight against the power of sin in your life. To call that out. Again, that's confession. To own your sin. To turn from your sin. We call that repentance. To turn from your sin and to turn to Jesus in faith and in trust to bring your life, to bring your sin to God, to turn from those things that will sooner or later will cause pain in your life. To own your sin, to turn from your sin, to turn to Jesus. This is exactly how you battle the power of sin in your life. This slide is the daily work of belief. As that cross gets bigger and bigger and bigger, I realize I need more and more of Christ in my life. It's what John is offering to you in verses seven and nine, and it is the key to living your life in freedom. This morning, John is giving you two very clear options. The option of fooling yourself or the option of of freedom through forgiveness. A moment ago, I mentioned that sooner or later, that sin in your life, that will cause pain in your life. Do you realize that? 
That that sin that we are all wrestling with, no matter what that is, that is a toxic poison and that thing sooner or later is going to explode in your face. The question is, who's going to get hurt? Is it just you? Or is it those around you that you care for that you love? Why, Why go there? Why carry the shame? Why carry the guilt? When freedom and forgiveness can be yours because of the blood of Jesus. Say it this way on the slide. With the sin in your life, what will you do this morning? Will you fool yourself? Or will you find the freedom that can be yours through confession and forgiveness? Guess what? Only you can make that call. So what's it going to be? This morning, we are going to end by giving you a thought that we dropped into Friday's email. It simply says this. Take the next several moments and pray David's prayer from Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting light. Let me give you a couple points. You can actually turn these points into a prayer. God, what are you pointing out in my life that I need to recognize a sin? God, what are you asking me to do with the sin that you have pointed out so here's how we're going to do this part of our our worship team is going to come and sing a couple of of lines from our very last song this morning they're going to sing those lines and then they're actually just going to pray quietly and give you a couple minutes of space to make this prayer your own as you respond in your bulletin is a sheet of paper with our verses on it and some lines. Maybe as God brings something to mind, you want to write that down there. Maybe you'll keep that just for you, between God and you. Maybe you want to take that sheet and share that with someone that you can trust, who, who you know will point you to Christ. Maybe you want to do more. So after the space that our team gives us, they're going to invite all of us to sing this last song. And at that point, there will be a couple of us from leadership down front. We have a couple of folks who are more than happy to talk to you if you want to talk to them. This morning, I have no idea where you're at. But let me just remind you, about 20 minutes ago, we raised our hand that we are struggling with sin. I have no idea where you're at this morning. I have no idea what is going on in your life. But this I do know. If you confess your sins to him, he is faithful and he is just to forgive you and cleanse you from all wickedness.
Jesus is called.